we're doing today. I want to invite you to stand to your feet in this first song as we sing all about you. I want you to really try to focus on the Lord Jesus today. You know, we come into this place this morning. Some of you may have been an adventure just to get here. Uh, you know, there's just lots of things that we can, uh, you know, place our mind's attention on. But just this morning as we worship, let's just make it all about Jesus. Just praise Him and worship Him.
Come on, let's praise Jesus, church.
Amen, church. I believe in the name of Jesus, Jesus Christ, our Savior. Be seated, please. We're going to we're going to participate in the ordinance of the Lord's Supper. We're going to participate in joining with believers around the world and throughout the ages, throughout the centuries. Remembering what Jesus Christ did for us. And, and when you came in, you should have received the Lord's Supper elements and this little pack. Now, let me just warn you, we have a new, a new kind of pack. And if you got the gluten-free, the, bottoms, the bread is on the bottom. Please release that first before you open up the juice. Because if you open up the juice first and then turn it over, it will spill on you. Okay, you get it? So if, you're, if you got that kind, you open up the, the bread at the bottom first. But, you know, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter what church you go to. It doesn't matter what label you put yourself. If you believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins and you've received him as Lord of your life, you participate with us. Feel free. Feel free. And we're going to take that bread and the bread will represent his body and the cup will represent his blood given for you. And so that we don't take it unworthily, let's take just a moment now. Would you prepare your hearts? Would you prepare your hearts asking the Lord uh, to once again, uh, thanking him for forgiving your sin, asking him to bring to mind those things that we need forgiveness for. Let's take just a moment. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much that you gave yourself for us. And Lord, as we receive Lord, what you gave to us, Lord, I pray that we'd receive it with worthy hearts, Lord, even though we're not worthy, but hearts that are reflecting, that are truly appreciating the tremendous, fantastic gift of new life. Lord, life forever with you in heaven. Lord, I pray this in your precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I invite you to take the bread and hold it up there. The Bible says on the night when Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and when he given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Lord Jesus, thank you for your body. Lord, thank you for your life, your humanity. Lord, you came down. Lord, connected with us. Lord, took wounds for us, were flogged for us, Lord. And Lord, as we take this bread, Lord, help us to dedicate our bodies, our lives, our days as living sacrifices, as an expression of our gratitude. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Let's partake. And the Bible says, in the same manner after supper, he took the cup and he said, this cup, is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your precious, precious blood, Lord, that you poured out for us. Lord, that you gave willingly for us. Lord, your blood that, that, that paid the sacrifice, that divine human blood, Lord, paid the sacrifice for all our sins so that we don't have to earn being in your presence. We can receive it. And Lord Jesus, I pray that you would help us to share that amazing love and redemption with this world. Lord, thank you. In your precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Let's partake.
the Bible says that as often as we eat this bread and we drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Jesus Christ is coming again. Amen? Amen. He's coming again. Yeah, we know that. We need him to come again, right? We need Jesus to come again. I just want to take a a little bit of liberty. You've heard the news about what was going on in Israel, the cradle of our faith. And Lord, a place that has had war and is now in war once again. And so let's pray. Let's pray for that area. Could we do that now? Because that peace will really truly only come until Jesus Christ comes again, right? Right. But let's pray. Lord Jesus, I lift up Israel. Lord, I lift up Jerusalem. Lord, I lift up that war-torn area. And Lord, I pray that you bring peace like only you can bring. Lord, Lord, you said to pray for the peace of Jerusalem and may those who love you be secure in your... And Lord, we know that those who love you were secure eternally. But Lord, help us to trust you. Lord, I, I pray that you would bring peace. Lord, I pray that you would stop the fighting. Lord, I pray that, that, that the focus would not be uh, on fighting and hurting each other. But Lord, that the focus would be toward you. And that you bring peace like never before. And Lord, I pray this in your precious name. Amen. Amen. Jesus said, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples. If you have love one for another. God bless you.
church in the book of Joel it says this and it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh your sons and your daughters shall prophesy your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions even on the male and female servants in those days I will pour out my spirit and I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth. Lord Jesus, would you pour out your spirit upon us today, upon your church, God. Lord, we need you.
voice and praise with our hands, a clap offering to you, Lord God. Amen and amen. Church, say hi to somebody before you sit down this morning. Open, they're overjoyed. You can see them shouting, jumping. Oh, look at how much they are excited. This is the first time those children are receiving the shoe boxes. They are so happy. Every box is important because every box is an opportunity to tell a child about God's love, about His Son Jesus Christ. If you get the heart of the child, you will reach the heart of the parents, you will reach the heart of the family, and then you will touch the community. That gift box is the beginning into their hearts. Isn't it incredible how these gifts touch the lives of these children? Every year we see tens of thousands of children discipled. And we couldn't do this without you, so thank you for packing the boxes. Thank you for praying for these children around the world. God bless you, and keep packing those boxes. Good morning. I'm Karen Vandenskoten, and um, I've been assisting in the coordination of Operation Christmas Child here at Anastasia. Oh, there I go. Here at Anastasia for the past few years, and I'm very excited to be announcing our 2023 launch. Uh, though probably not as excited as the kids in that video, uh, it's always so awesome to see the joy on their face when they open what may well be the first present that they've ever received. It could possibly be the only gift that they've ever received. Um, and that is a material gift, really, because you've also seen that what follows is the greatest journey, which is a really fantastic discipleship program that is so impactful to those children's lives and to their families and to their communities. Um, I think what you maybe don't always see in these videos, though, that I really wanted to share with you is the, the just prior events that occur. Um, shoebox distribution on the other side of the world is building a growing network of missions and of churches, local churches. Um, with these shoebox gifts, missionaries and church leaders are actually able to go out into communities and unreached people groups that they've never been able to access before. And they're actually being received and they're being heard in delivering the good news. And that is why this is considered a missions project here at Anastasia Church. Um, the reality is that, you know, maybe a good majority of us may never step foot on the actual missions field. Um, but when you pack a shoebox, you are supporting missions work. And in fact, you are sending a small piece of yourself on that mission. So please do prayerfully consider packing a shoebox gift. Oh, and send a note. You probably saw the little girl holding the note that is so impactful to them. Uh, please tell them that you love them, that Jesus loves them, and that there's a whole community of, of Christians waiting to receive them. Uh, my volunteers and I will be out at the Operation Christmas Child table. We've got handouts, materials. We've got the pre-printed shoeboxes, quite a few of them this year, which is really great news. We just need you guys to pack those and turn them in by November 12th. So thank you. God bless. Thank you, Karen. Good morning, church. 
We are so thankful for each one of you. I'm the women's minister here, Judy Trippy. We welcome you. If this is your first time coming, we'd love to get to know you. Or if you've been coming a while, we'd love for you to go either out into the atrium and fill out a Connect card, or you can actually uh, text the code CONNECT to 904-441-6900, or you can actually do the QR code on your phone. So we encourage you to do that. I just have a couple announcements besides the Christmas, the Operation Christmas Child. Isn't that exciting to share Jesus with all the children around the world? Our child dedication is October the 22nd. If you would like to have one of your children dedicated, please go to AnastasiaKids.com and fill out that card. Also, ladies, we have saved a seat just for you. November 4th is our outreach. This year, it will be a dinner. This is our 20th year. Is that amazing? I am so amazed and so thankful for God that we've been able to do that for so many years. We'd love for you to have a seat. So please go out in the atrium. The tickets go on sale today. The theme and our, our message this year is Sojourners. We are all, if we're saved... We belong to Jesus, so we are sojourners, and our destination is heaven. So we will be sharing that with you. We have four ladies that are local here to our church. Our very own ladies will be sharing, and we also have a guest speaker. And then our very own Marsha Elder will be singing for us. So I encourage you to get a ticket. Um, Go in the atrium and get more information, and it's also in your bulletin. I'd like to turn your attention to a video that we'll be showing of our kiddos. Are they not precious? (laughs) If you notice where they're standing, they're actually in their classrooms over in the Gen Building, Next Generation Building for our kiddos. They're standing in each one of their classroom. The littlest one, I think she was kind of standing in her classroom. I think she was going to leave. But anyway, um, what a precious thing. 2024 is our goal. We are running the race. We are in a marathon, but we're in the sprint now. So we need you. We need you to help us finish that race so that we're ready to open this building in the middle of the year of 2024. So would you please pray with me for over that? Heavenly Father, Lord, we just love you and we thank you so much that we have the opportunity to, again, go out in our community and invite more children and more youth to come here, Lord, to have a facility that's safe for them. Lord, I thank you so much. I thank you for the generosity of this church and for their continuous giving, not only for our church, but also for this building fund. We just love you and we thank you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you. Good morning, church, again. It's good to see all of you. Last time I was going to be in here, um, I was going to preach on Solomon, but I wasn't here. Um, I had my life group leader, Ira Cunningham, he brought the message on Solomon, did a great job. He always does. I love going to my life group. But uh, I was not here because I was doing something else. I was up in Edmonton, Alberta, and we have a church plant 
that is there. We have a church, a daughter church that we helped to start with some other churches. And, and on that day, it was their fifth anniversary and they were celebrating that they were no longer going to be a church plant. They were going to be an autonomous church. They're getting ready to move into their first building. And, uh, this is just an amazing partnership we've had, uh, since 2019. And, uh, I want to show you a little video of, of my visit up there to, uh, life's journey church. So you can see where we were. Good morning. I'm in Edmonton, Alberta. It's uh, September 16th. We're getting ready for the fifth anniversary of uh, a Filipino International Baptist Church South Campus. That's what it used to be called. But now it's called Life's Journey Church of Edmonton. And this is the pastor. Uh, this is Pastor Noli Rosales. And Hello. Good morning once again, Anastasia. Thank you so much. Uh, pastor Walter here. Uh, he made it. Yeah, and, and you can see me in the reflection. Hey, we're in outside the building. Would you show us the new place that you're going to be worshiping in? Let's go inside. Yeah, so this is the new uh, building. We're in a condominium, and uh, God has uh, given us opportunity to purchase uh, two units of this condominium here. So this is a commercial condominium building. We're going to be on 104 and 105. Yeah, I'm just looking at the space that's going to be the new home of Life's Journey Church of Edmonton, Alberta. This is the church that Anastasia has been partnering with for four years. And this is their first space. This is, this is going to be a historic moment when they move into this place where they bring church, the body believers. <laughs> So there you go. You know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a great director or, or film producer, anything like that. But I wanted you to know, this is the church that you guys helped to start. Last week was their first week in their new building. This is a church that started in 2018, and they were meeting in a daycare center. And then when pandemic came, they got locked down, but they didn't get locked down like we got locked down in Florida. They got Canada locked down. If any of you know what that means, mandatory church shutdowns for one year. They're open for about six weeks, seven weeks, then shut down for another year. And God has used that during a time they have grown and God has blessed them. And, and now they are an independent church. Our partnership is now concluded and, and God has planted a church up there with the frozen chosen in Edmonton, Alberta. So, yeah, thank you. Thank you for being a part of that. And thank you for letting me celebrate with them. Hey, let's get into the message. Uh, as we get into the message, we're looking at we're looking at the kings of Israel. And before I get into the word here, I want to ask you about opposites. OK, if I were to say if you tell me the opposite of dark, what would you say? Opposite of bitter. Opposite of soft. What's the opposite of war? What is the opposite of the most ugly thing you could ever think of on the face of the earth? Elisa, my wife. That's, that was my answer. Now, guys, I know you put your own uh, wife's name in there. I'm sure that's what you did. But, but today I want, to talk about, uh, I want to talk about an opposite. Um, I want to talk about the opposite of David. See, we're, we're looking at the divided kingdom, the king's of the divided kingdom. If you know anything about the history of your Bible, that there was King Saul and there was King David and King David united the kingdom. And then Solomon, he didn't have the same heart that David had. 
David had a heart that had, he had the heart of God. Okay. He was a man after God's own heart, but Solomon, he had a divided heart. And then his son after him, a Rehoboam, he was, he was someone who, who didn't follow God at all. Well, Rehoboam had a rival and his name was Jeroboam. He's, he's the person who, who, uh, this, uh, rival took leadership of the Northern 10 tribes. And, and not only did he not follow God, he set himself up in opposition to God. So I think of him as the anti-David. If you're talking about King David, the opposite of David would be King Jeroboam. And that's what I want to talk about today. And you know, most of the kings in the north, that northern uh, nation of the divided kingdom in Israel, the southern kingdom was Judah, the northern kingdom, uh, they were condemned. And you see his name over and over in the Bible because they followed the ways of Jeroboam. They followed the ways of the anti-David. He was the bad example. So I want to talk about that. And so I invite you to take your Bibles and turn to 11, uh, 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 26. So would you take your Bibles, whatever you're using for a Bible, 1 Kings eleven twenty six, And this is where we first hear about Jeroboam in the Bible. It says, Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, an Ephraimite, so he's from the tribe of Ephraim, of Zeretta, that was the town, a servant of Solomon, whose mother's name was Zeruah, a widow, also lifted up his hand against the king. So we see that Jeroboam, he rebelled against king, and this was King Solomon, okay? King Solomon. In, in, in Solomon's later years, because Solomon was not faithful, there were three people who rose up against him, and then one of them was Jeroboam. And Jeroboam, and this is the first thing to write down in your summary notes if you're following along, Jeroboam means contends for the people. He was the Old Testament version of forthepeople.com. Okay, that's what his name means. He's for the people. He was from the tribe of Ephraim. Ephraim was the strong tribe up in the north. That was the main tribe in the north. Judah was the main tribe in the south. And uh, it, it was a powerful tribe. And the next thing to write down is this, that Jeroboam was an internal threat to King Solomon. An internal threat. We see in 1 Kings 11, there are three people who rose up against Solomon when Solomon was getting old uh, because of Solomon's unfaithfulness to the Lord and because of his divided heart. There were two external threats. There were kings, Hadad and Rezah, but then there was an internal threat and that was Jeroboam. And so Solomon tried to kill Jeroboam, but Jeroboam escaped to Egypt. So we get a little flashback. We get a little flashback. And so I'm going now to 1 Kings Chapter 11, verse 28. Give you a background before we get into uh, the application of this. In 1 Kings 11, verse 28, it says this. The man Jeroboam was very able. And when Solomon saw that the young man was industrious, he gave him charge over all the forced labor of the house of Joseph. And so as Solomon is building his, his palaces and Solomon is building the temple and he conscripted and, and had this forced labor, he put Jeroboam in charge because Jeroboam was a gifted leader. And that's the next thing to write down. Jeroboam was a gifted leader. Just because you're a gifted leader does not mean that you are immune from walking away from God. Many of you in here are gifted and, you're, and you have things that you can do very well. Don't trust your gifts. Trust the Lord. Trust the Lord. And so here's what happens. Uh, in 1 Kings chapter 11, starting at verse 29, this very gifted man in charge of a lot that Solomon put him in charge of. It says in 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 29, and at that time when Jeroboam went out of Jerusalem, the prophet Ahijah, 
the Shilonite find him on, found him on the road. You know, a lot of times you see these major kings that they had prophets that were with them and counseled them their whole life. King Saul had Samuel. King David had Nathan. And Jeroboam had Ahijah. Okay, now Ahijah had dressed himself in a new garment and the two of them were alone in the open country. And then Ahijah laid hold of the new garment that was on him and tore it into 12 pieces. And he said to Jeroboam, take for yourself 10 pieces. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, behold, I'm about to tear the kingdom from the hand of Solomon and give you 10 tribes. Okay. Thus says the Lord. See, Jeroboam had a calling. And that's the next thing you can write down. Jeroboam was called by God to be king. You can be called by God. You can be gifted and you can still walk away from the Lord. Are you seeing the dangers that are here? You know, um, uh, I think that our king, the Lord God, he calls all people. I think, I think all people have a call that we respond to or don't respond to. Some way, somehow, the Lord offers salvation to us. And there are people that respond to that call and there are people who don't respond to that call. God calls people into layers of, of ministry and avenues of ministry. And some people respond and some people don't. Jeroboam was called by God to be king. See, everyone, everyone is a king. And everyone has a kingdom. You're a king. You're a queen. Whatever your area of influence is, there are people that you influence. There are people that, you, that, that look at you and, and, and what you want to do. And, and how are you going to use that influence? And, and God puts you in those areas of authority. It's only God that does that. So we are leaders in our own areas. And so how are you responding to God's call in leading people? Listen next to uh, what God said to Jeroboam through Ahijah, okay? He says in, in 1 Kings 11, verse 37, I'm skipping down. And I'll take you and you shall reign over all that your soul desires and you shall be king over Israel. And if you will listen to all that I command you and will walk in my ways and do what is right in my eyes by keeping my statutes and my commandments as David, my servant did, I will be with you. And will build you a sure house as I built for David and I will give Israel to you. Do you understand the significance of this? This is Jeroboam. He had everything going for him. He was gifted. He was called by God. And now God gave him a covenant. God gave him a covenant. God promised to be with Jeroboam. Just like God promises to be with us. God gave him a covenant. This is powerful stuff. He had everything going for him. Do you know God has given a covenant to you and me? He's given a, a covenant that he would be with us. You know, Jesus Christ, one of his names is Emmanuel. What does that mean? God with us. Yeah, God with us. Jesus is Emmanuel. That means he's going to be with us throughout our lives, through the good times, through the bad times. And we're going to be with him forever in heaven. That's the covenant. That's the most important promise God can make to any person. You know, I, I can't promise that life is going to be good. I can't promise that circumstances are going to be good. Those things go up and down. But I can promise this because God promised it. He will be with you during the good and the bad. Okay, that's the promise. That's the promise. And so Jeroboam, he had this promise. He had a covenant from God. God said, I'm going to be with you. You know, Jesus said, this is Hebrews 13. He said, keep your life free from love of money. And be content with what you have. For he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Jesus is all 
I need. I don't need to worry about money. I don't need to worry about more because I have Jesus. His presence is all that I need. And God made good on that promise. After Solomon died, after Solomon's son, Rehoboam, acted irresponsibly, harshly and foolishly, uh, then God gave the kingdom over to Jeroboam. In 1 Kings chapter 12, verse 20, this is what it says. And when all Israel heard that Jeroboam had returned, they sent and called him to the assembly and made him king over all Israel. There was none that followed the house of David, but the tribe of Judah. Later on, we learned that Benjamin also, the tribe of Benjamin also follows in the south. But, but all the other tribes, they went with Jeroboam. And so the next thing to write down is this. Jeroboam was the first king of the northern kingdom, which is called Israel. He started reigning around 925, 26 BC. And then two chapters later, that prophet comes back to him, gives him an evaluation. God did an evaluation on what he was doing. And Ahijah is a very different word to the Lord from in 1 Kings chapter 14. And this, was, this is what it is. 1 Kings chapter 14, starting at verse 7. The prophet is told this by God. He says, go tell Jeroboam, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, because I exalted you from among the people and made you leader over my people Israel and tore the kingdom away from the house of David and gave it to you. And yet you have not been like my servant, David. You've not been like him who kept my commandments and followed me with all his heart, doing only that which was right in my eyes. But you have done evil above all who were before you and have made and gone and made for yourself other gods and metal images, provoking me to anger and have cast me behind your back. Therefore, behold, I will bring harm upon the house of Jeroboam and will cut off Jeroboam. Every male, both bond and free in Israel, will burn up the house of Jeroboam as a man burns up dung until it is all gone. Wow. Anyone belonging to Jeroboam who dies in the city, the dog shall eat. And anyone who dies in the open country, the birds of the heaven shall eat, for the Lord has spoken it. What in the world happened between chapter 12 and chapter 14 so that the wrath of God would come down uh, on Jeroboam, the anti-David, and all his descendants? Um, if We're going to talk about some of that in just a minute, but, but let me just say, if you take one message, one application from this message, it's this, Okay? Don't be like Jeroboam, okay? Whatever Jeroboam did, don't be like that. Don't do the stuff that he did, okay? Don't be like Jeroboam. There was an ad on TV several years ago. It would come on during Jeopardy time. It was for a pain relief medicine called Aspercream. And the ad was like this. It said uh, a lady was walking up to another lady in the produce section. She stops, this older lady stops by the younger lady and said... Mmm, it smells like medicated, medicated cream. You smell like my husband Walter did. And then the big yellow words appear on the screen. Don't smell like Walter. <laughs> that, was the, that was their ad campaign for like, like for two years, you know. Don't smell like Walter. Man, I, I hate it every time I saw that. <laughs> I'm never buying cream again. Just saying. But, but let me tell you, don't be like Jeroboam. Don't do the things he did, okay? Uh, ten tribes followed him uh, except for Judah and Benjamin. But, but here's what he did. I'm going back to 1 Kings chapter 12. Here's some things that he did. 
It says, then Jeroboam built Shechem in the hill country of Ephraim, Ephraim, the major tribe in the northern kingdom. And he lived there. And he went out from there and built Penuel. And Jeroboam said in his heart, this is what Jeroboam was thinking. Jeroboam said in his heart, now the kingdom will turn back to the house of David. If this people go up to offer sacrifices in the temple of the Lord at Jerusalem, and then the heart of his people will turn again to their Lord, to Rehoboam, the king of Judah, and they'll kill me. And return to Rehoboam, king of Judah. He said that the people are going to turn back to the king in the south because that's where the temple is. And so the main thing to note is that Jeroboam did not trust the promises of God. God said, I'm going to take care of you. I'll make sure everything is happy. He didn't trust those promises. He, he, he didn't trust God that he'd be king of Israel. He didn't trust God that God would protect him. And so this is the point. Trust God's promises. God makes promises to us. Don't be like Jeroboam and not trust God. Trust what God is saying. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. How long? To a thousand generations. That's Deuteronomy chapter nine. God keeps his promises. Can I get an amen? God keeps his promises. And he'll take care of us. We don't need to worry about making God's promises happen. God will make his promises happen. He has enough power. He has enough ability to make those things happen. Uh, one, of, one of the reasons I think people don't trust God's promises is they don't know God's promises. Am I right? I think there are a lot of people, they don't trust God's promises. They don't even know them. Do you know, you know how you find God's promises? They're right here in the word of God. Okay, if you don't know the word of God and the promises that are there, there's no way you can trust the promises of God. We say here at Anastasia Church that Jesus is the way and the Bible is the map. It's the map. It's the map that tells us all the promises. And so if you don't know the promises of God, you need to look in the Bible because I want you to know the treasures that God puts in here, the promises of God, they're not buried treasure. They're on the surface. They're up there in black and white. Know the promises of God. Then you can trust the promises of God. And the most important promise is this, Emmanuel, that God is with us. God is with us. So anyway, just wherever that word of God is in your hand, if it's a, if it's a book, if it's a tablet, if it's your phone, whatever, it's, know the promises of God. If you want to take a personal study, study the promises of God. That's so important. Know things like that all things work together for good that those, for those that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. That God will work those things out. Do you trust the promises? Do you know them? Don't be like Jeroboam. Trust God's promises. If I look at 1 Kings 12, verse 27, here's another thing. Jeroboam said, he said, they'll kill me in return to Rehoboam, king of Judah. He was worried they were going to kill him. That's fear. Jeroboam had a major case of FOMO. You know what FOMO is? Fear of missing out, F-O-M-O. He had a fear of missing out. He had a fear of being killed, missing out on a long life. Jeroboam had a fear of losing power and being king. Uh, he, he had a fear of losing the hearts of the people. He had, he had a major case of FOMO. One fear he didn't have, though, he did not have a healthy fear of the Lord. Lord who gives us breath, the Lord who gives us life, the Lord who gives us life forever with Jesus in heaven. He didn't have that kind of fear. And so the next thing I want to share with us is this. Let our fear of the Lord be greater than our FOMO. 
Let my fear of the Lord be greater than my fear of missing out. You know, we, we're, we live in a blessed land. We live in a land of abundance more than most nations in the world. And, and there are lots of opportunities. The other week I was, I was talking with a cab driver and he'd immigrated from Iraq. He said, there are no opportunities there. I mean, if you go to school, whatever grade you get in school, they tell you what the next school is. They tell you what job you're going to do. There's no opportunities in life. We have many opportunities. Our crisis is not that we don't have enough opportunities. Our crisis is that we have this fear of not doing everything that we want to do. And so we try to do all the trips. We try to buy all the cars. We want to have the biggest house. We have all these things because we don't want to miss out on that. Let me tell you, don't miss out on following and loving and being in the presence of the Lord your God. Don't let FOMO... Don't let FOMO get in the way of our fear and our love of Jesus. Proverbs 29 says, The fear of a man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. Whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. So, so what did Jeroboam do? 1 Kings chapter 12, verse 27. So the king took counsel, made two calves of gold, and he said to the people, You've gone up to Jerusalem long enough. Behold your gods, O Israel, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And these golden calves, okay? And he set one in Bethel and the other he put in Dan. And then this thing became sin. So the people went as far as Dan to be before one. He also made temples on high places and appointed priests from among all the people who were not of the Levites. Jeroboam set up his own worship. He didn't want to be someone made in the image of God. He wanted God made in his image. And you know, you remember in the Bible, it says Aaron was condemned for, for making a golden calf, Jeroboam made two. He made two, okay? He doubled down on the sins of Aaron. When people were called to remember and thank God for bringing them out of Egypt, Jeroboam said, no, don't thank God. Thank these two golden calves. And Jeroboam put forward this slimy substitute for worship because Jeroboam loved himself more than he loved the Lord. And this is the next thing. If you don't want to be like Jeroboam, Remember that the Lord is our first love. Remember the Lord is our first love. You know, Jeroboam even kicked out the Levites. There's a reason that the Levites uh, left Israel and went down to Judah and went down into Jerusalem because Jeroboam kicked them all out. He says, and in 2 Chronicles, in 2 Chronicles, there's a lot of overlap to 1 Kings. In 2 Chronicles chapter 11, it says, for the Levites left their common lands and their holdings and came to Judah and Jerusalem because Jeroboam and his sons cast them out from serving as priests of the Lord, okay? Levites in the north, it's not only that, that Jeroboam got other priests, Levites were not allowed to be priests in the northern kingdom. And so all the Levites went down to the south, okay? They all went to Judah. Today of the 12 tribes of Judah, we just have, we have Judah. The 12 tribes of Israel, we have Judah. Uh, Benjamin kind of got reabsorbed into Judah after the exile, and, and we have the Levites. If you know someone with the last name Cohen, that means priest. And that means that's someone that's from the tribe of Levi. So, so we only have these two tribes left of all the 12 tribes. There's Judah and Levi. But in, in Jeroboam's time, anybody could be a priest. Anybody, anybody could, could be a priest. And it says in 1 Kings 13, after this thing, Jeroboam did not turn from his evil way, but made priests for the high places, again, from among all the people, any who would. He ordained to be priests of the high places. And this thing became sin to the house of Jeroboam so as to cut it off and destroy it from the face of the earth. 
Anyone could be ordained a priest. You didn't even need the internet. They had Jeroboam. Okay? Anybody could be a priest. Jeroboam forgot that the Lord's our first love. Don't be like Jeroboam. Don't be like Jeroboam. Love the Lord. Because our lives matter. And what we do in this life, we impact generations to come. Okay? The 10 tribes of Jeroboam that he led, they're gone. They are wiped out from history. They do not exist anymore. That's the legacy of Jeroboam. 19 or so kings of the northern kingdom, 14, 15 or so of them were pronounced evil because they followed in the ways of Jeroboam. (coughs) That's his lasting impact. And so I want to ask you, what's your impact? What are you sharing with the next generation? And I pray that our lasting impact will be our faith impact. That my lasting impact will be the way that God works through me. Not just me in my own power. Not just me in my fears. Not just, not just me. I'm praying that lasting impact will be the faith in, impact. I pray that my steps are not steps against God. Or even apathy toward him. I want to be walking close to him. That's my legacy, I hope. That when people talk about me in a future decade, that they will think, this is someone who tried to follow the Lord, imperfect as he is. In my lasting impact, I want to be that impact that God works through me. And the next step I take, I want it to be a step closer to God. What's the step that you want to take? Now, I want you to stand with me right now. We're coming to a time of closing out this service and this altar's gonna be open. What's the impact that God is gonna make through you as you leave this place? What is the next step of faith that you're going to take? It's gonna be a, a, a step of faith in your own desires and your own judgment or is it gonna be a step closer to God? Now, how do you do that? Well, one way you can do it is uh, one way you can do it is just, just seeing where God's calling you in leadership, where he's calling you in connection, where he's calling you in public declaration of the Lord. That might be church membership or baptism. I don't know. Whatever that next step is, is it closer to God, further away from God, or is it just drifting? I don't want to drift. I don't want this church to drift. I don't want you to drift. We are a people that God has called to do amazing things in this community. What's your step? Don't be like Jeroboam. Don't trust your pride. Don't trust your own strength. Trust in the Lord. And make that next step of faith. A step that brings you closer into the hug and the embrace of God's will for your life. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, I pray that you would be with us. Lord, I pray as we leave this place, Lord, that you would show us what that next step of faith needs to be in each and every individual life. Lord, there's someone here that needs to take a step of faith in trusting you as Lord and Savior. And Lord, I pray right now in this quiet moment that they'd realize that. That they would say, Lord Jesus, I am gonna follow you. I'm gonna trust you. There's some people here, Lord, need to take a step of faith in giving everything to you in a step of surrender. Some need to take a step of faith in declaring faith in you through baptism, Lord. Whatever that step of faith is, Lord, some are, need to take a step of faith in, in stepping out in leadership. Whatever God's calling us to do, Lord, help us not to, not to hold back and just to trust in you.
and all the glory be given to you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If God's calling you to take a step, the altar's open, I'm up here, we have counselors off to the side. You take that step of faith, let's let God be glorified, amen? Amen.